is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? What's going on, Karthik? Should we be uh, the first podcast in the NBA sphere to not complain about the All-Star game and just say it was a, a, a well-played, hard-fought game, or should we uh, start breaking it down like everybody else? It deserves a little bit of a breakdown. We don't have to you know, rehash the point. I think because there's been such dead time between you know, the first set of games after All-Star break and the All-Star break, we've been... Man, the NBA media landscape, it is like the amount of Doc Rivers talk I've had to endure. All where did that even come from? Like, where did, where did, like, I don't, I know what JJ Reddick said and everything, but like, why was he just teeing off on Doc Rivers on a random Tuesday? I, I don't know what happened to JJ Reddick. I think he's, he's trying to lean into becoming more of a hot, takey uh, kind of TV analyst, but at the same time, he still loves criticizing. Well, I was going to go the other way. I think he's trying to lean into like the to like the anti-hero of hot take culture where they're hot takes but they're disguised as like really intelligent nuanced takes. Well, yeah, so he's like, trying to play both sides. He's trying to be like the intelligent analyst that's on the show, you know, he had that whole rant about I'd love to talk about Zion and break down film with the Pelicans, but no one wants to hear that. Yeah. It's all a show, man. This guy wants to just get up there and spew Your boy hot Nick takes. Wright had some thoughts about that. Um, yeah, it was funny. When Nick Wright's calling you out, it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> well, Nick Wright also said Nikola Jokic was the worst MVP of the last 35 years. So I'm pretty sure I've invalidated everything he's ever said again since yeah, that moment. But he's he's been lapping up his Mahomes takes and, and all the yeah, receipts he's sure. had over that, which has panned out well for him. So, But we got off topic. So the NBA All-Star Game Sunday was the first time, first time in NBA All-Star Game history where a team went over 200 points. The East put up 211, which is um, would be impressive if it wasn't just completely uncontested three-pointers both ways and whichever team happened to make more one. But before we start there, we got to say, on Saturday night, the skills challenge may have taken it up one level of embarrassment from what it's previously done with Anthony Edwards shooting left-handed. It was just like a colossal like disaster from start to finish. The only thing that was redeeming about the whole weekend was uh, Steph versus Sabrina, which ended up being like really entertaining, and she shot the shit out of the ball. Um, I thought that should have gotten two rounds. It felt almost like it was anticlimactic, and it just ended, right? Yep. It just was. I was like, maybe they could go and add up aggregate scores or something. But everything else besides that was pretty – it ranged from like train wreck to pedestrian, and it feels like we're past a point of no return with this thing. I we do this annually and complain about it. And then, like you said, we have five days off before we get basketball again. So we can't really talk about anything else. And we're just back in the same place we were a year ago. And I'm not sure what would change next year. If you rolled forward one, one more time. But don't we have this conversation every year? Doesn't yeah. It feel like that every year we tune in again. I actually don't think it's, here's my hot take. It's not broken. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Sunday, something needs to be done. I don't know if there's any saving the actual all-star game. But I think Saturday is still awesome, man. I still think All-Star Saturday is appointment viewing. I've been watching it since I was a kid. I still watch it. I still love the thrill of the dunk contest, the thrill of the three-point contest. Those, to me, honestly, have not changed that much. I think three-point contest, as good as ever, right? They introduced the starry ball. You know, they, There's they like 19 made... different ways to score points now. Like You get a one full rack of uh, your own money balls. Then you get this two starry balls. The court was lime green the whole time. It was just like, what? Adam, Adam, Mr. Silver, can you just stop messing with everything all at once? Just like do one thing at a time and try it out. Like 
This is the craziest science experiment he's been running in the league for the last 10 years. I agree with that. The court didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. If I had to be honest, it was fine. But I'm also a guy who loves the play in court, so maybe I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> no, I mean, there's some cool cool elements of that court, I will, I will yeah. admit. But, I mean, look, the Sabrina, I think Steph matches the highlight of the night by far. It was just amazing. I love that she stepped up. She hit. Uh, she scored as much as Dame did in any, uh, any one of the actual three-point contests. Um, and then the three-point contest, I mean, don't bury that. Like, we had four, what, four players tied for 26 in the first round. That's true. They had to go to uh, another like kind of elimination uh, before the final. Like, I thought everything was good in the dunk contest. Look, people are going to complain about the dunk contest. I'll say this. It was so bad. But that had more to do with the judges. I actually don't think the quality of the dunks was horrible. You thought Jalen Brown putting his hand over his eyes after he completed the dunk versus during it was 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 credible? You're going to be thinking about Mac McLung versus J- Jalen Brown, the way you, you know, hawk back to Dominique versus Jordan and Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine and Vince Carter. That's the way you're going to be thinking about this one? No, I mean, what, what I mean is every year there's one dud dunker. This year it was Jalen Brown. The problem was they rewarded the dud dunker and got him to the finals. That was, that was a judging problem, not a quality problem. Who should have um, been there? Because I missed the first round, I feel like. Uh, I was Toppin, like, Jacob Toppin. Okay, well, they couldn't have had two G League guys going off in the finals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the problem, right? But I think um, Mac McClung wasn't as good as last year, but still good, still innovative. I, I just think the judging has to be fixed. And, man, these guys are so soft, right? Like, the whole reason they went to a, a scoring model of 40 to 50 was because they don't want to hurt anyone. You can't give someone like a five or a six across the board, right? Then you get a score of like 30, 35, and guys' are feelings are hurt. So they go with this model of 40 to 50, which is ridiculous because people now anchor on the 40, 50, and like the lowest they'll give is a 45. So now, once again, we're back to this really tight window where there's no delineation between like a 46 and a 48. Look, it, the whole thing does not make any sense. As someone who's benefited personally from great inflation rules over the course of my life, I got to say, I wasn't, uh, you know, I ha- it would be hypocritical for me to be totally against that. But yeah, this is dumb. Like, I remember, like, it used to be where guys, if they missed entirely, their, like, score was, like, a 20 or something. Even now, that's, like, a 40, basically. So you could go there and do fuck all, and you're still going to get, like, yeah. this baseline score, which is which is kind of an insane outcome. and. You know, for everyone who says, oh, you just pay more money and then these guys, like everything can't just be about like continuing to give them more and more money. The guys make 50, 60, 70 million dollars a year. Like at some point, not only is there going to be a check size that you cannot cut for these events, there's going to be so many diminishing returns because even if you're John Morant, you're on a $50 million contract, you make, you get $2 million to do the dunk contest. Are you going to do it or are you going to be like, I don't want to like get hurt. I don't want to embarrass myself. I'm still making like no matter what, I'm making like 25x that this season alone. Not to mention the next four after. That's like, at what point does this become like fruitless? Can't just be like pay them more for everything. Like, there's got to be other motivations. And frankly, I tell you, whether it's that, whether it's the game, if they don't want to do it, there's nothing you can convince them to do it. Yeah. I don't care if you tried in Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, whoever you want to that locker room to try to convince them otherwise, it will not matter because they do not give a shit. And you cannot make someone care who doesn't care. Believe me. Yeah, the actual game, I think we're at the point of no return. I, I just don't see a world in which they're going to start playing hard again. Um, 
or caring again. Um, so I, I, I like I've always said, just revamp the whole thing, change, make it either a three on three tournament, make it um, my brilliant idea that I sent over WhatsApp was reward points, steals and blocks in the scoring. So this is then, an, this is an absurd idea. Why? Why they don't care about the score? So why would they care about earning marks for defensive effort? The fact that it gets to two hundred eleven versus to one eighty six or wherever it was is not a reflection of the fact that they're incentivized to score, so both teams want to. It's literally two sets of teams who don't give a shit what the other team is doing. Like yeah, you true. think if you think if you're like, hey Luca, oh by the way, like if you step in and take this charge when Giannis is barreling towards the rim, that gets you that gets Team West at one point. He's gonna be like, oh actually, yeah, let me sign up for that. Or maybe there's incentives in their contracts. I don't know. The, um, again, it cannot be financially motivated because they make too much money. Like, what are you gonna do? And also, you wouldn't even who's paying for that? At some point, you're gonna be like, well, I don't think this is worth it. It's one night where we get a bunch of criticism. I'd much rather have my guys ready to go for the stretch run. Like, who, which owner's not going to think that? Um, I just think it's funny that Adam Silver, like, tripled down on how competitive they expected the game to be and all this other nonsense, and they went out there and had that dud. I think that's kind of funny. But, look, I mean, a little nimby of me, a little old man yells a cloud of me, but this generation just does not care about anything that doesn't offer them personal value. There's no, like, greater good... And, and by the way, that may or may not be a good thing. I'm not here to debate that. But that's the reality. Like, studies will so, show that. Like, the way that uh, I think kind of who their parent generation was and sort of what, what they went through, like, the next generations below that, like, income inequality, all this stuff. I'm not saying this applies to NBA superstars. I am saying it's a general mindset that I think is applicable to the way they treat something like this because it's kind of how you tr- they, they treat a lot of things, right? Like, we, we see it all the time in all, all parts of sports. Like, I mean, I, I for example, it, 10 years ago, the concept of college players sitting out the bowl game because it wasn't the national championship would have been absolutely absurd, right? Just 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it would have been like, that's a foreign language that you're speaking to me. Now, it's almost considered a mistake if you play a bowl game in which it's not for the national title because you don't want to risk getting hurt right before the draft. So that's just another example of the same type of behavior, different strokes. No, I agree. I agree. I, I think, but I think the pro, the issue is also because the All Star Game used to be a showcase. Um, I don't think players need a platform to be showcased anymore. They get showcased every day, social media, all these endorsement deals. I think that, and the same thing with the bowl games. Like a guy doesn't need to up his stock by playing at a bowl game. Once you know, they're going to be protective of their their bodies. You're right. They're looking out for their own self-interest. But I think part of it is just that there's no benefit. And I think I, I'd argue 20 years ago, balling out on the all-star game was Man, a nothing. big thing. You think like, they I didn't remember have like Glenn Rice, and TV? Glenn Rice went toe to toe with Michael Jordan in an all-star game. Uh, this was like 96, 97. Um, and it was a big deal. Like I remember. Well, okay, I was a but huge play, Glenn Rice play that forward. Play that example forward. What if like, Tyrese Halliburton went one on one, head to head, and took like took out Luca or took out SGA or like Steph. Why would that still not have the same effect? It wouldn't. It why, wouldn't because why? it has nothing to do with the era of time. It's not like they didn't have access to Glenn Rice tapes or the team didn't know how good Glenn Rice was. Like, no, it, I actually I disagree. I think those a lot of players didn't get as much shine back then. Um, I think everyone gets their shine today. Tyrese Halliburton has talked about nonstop. 
in our little echo doing? chamber, but like nationally, how many people know who that is? Probably nobody. I, I don't know. I mean, this brings me to my second point, which is actually, I think, the main point here. The league has, just like when Jordan retired in 98, and they went through some really dark times until kind of the Lakers settled things a little bit, then LeBron showed up, and we were off in the next so a few years of dark ages. I think we're going to have an even bigger problem when LeBron, Steph, and KD, whenever that like nucleus goes away, because yeah. they still create all the headlines. They're still the most famous players in the game. Collectively, they played damn near 60 seasons combined, and there's nobody else who either wants to or is willing to or capable of taking the next step. And you're talking about three guys who probably figure out to be in most people's top 12 to 15, right? Depending on how you feel about Durant. So not only is there a talent like void, there's also like a pretty big personality void. There's an American void. When you think about the top guys in the league, mostly being European, I think it's a pretty big question. Um, I'm not sure who that next face of the league is. It's not, you know, a guy like Jason Tatum is never going to be that. He's not, he doesn't talk enough. He doesn't have a personality. Guys like Luka Jokic intentionally do this thing where they're not really, you know, all about the NBA life, right? And like Ant maybe, but Ant's not good enough. So I'm really curious to see where this progresses. Yeah, I, I actually think the league will have an identity crisis in a few years. Um, and and as as much as we like the, oh, Jokic doesn't care about basketball. He likes horses and it's like endearing right now. That shit's going to suck in a couple years when... For sure. The, like, I mean, for us, we're always going to watch ball, right? It doesn't matter, but... I, the league is definitely going to, you know, post-Jordan, they went through a swoon. Um, and I have a feeling when Steph is gone, LeBron's gone, they still drive ratings. It's going to happen again. Like, no one cares about seeing, like, Ant still, like you said, not a household name. I don't know if he ever will become one um, as charismatic as he is. And that's the crazy thing. He's, like, the most charismatic guy, all of this. But still, a guy like him is not going to make waves. Yeah, I, I, I'm really interested because they kind of thought Ja was going to be that guy. Maybe he will, but tough to come back from like some of the PR stuff he's taken on. Um, they thought Zion was going to be that guy. He isn't really at that caliber. Um, and it needs to be American. The face of the league has never not been American. So I don't really – like Giannis is the closest that we may get because he has a, pers- a big personality. Joel Embiid kind of has a big personality, but – I don't know. Like, I kind of wonder because neither of those guys really feel like Giannis more so than Embiid feels like he could be. But even with Giannis, like, I think people are starting to be like, eh. And 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 the Bucks, like we said, like, say what you want about LeBron. I know you're not going to, but I'll say, like, he went to eight straight finals. Like, there's a difference between that and the Bucks making one run so far in in uh, eleven years of Giannis's career, right? So there's levels to this stuff. Is all I'm saying. Um, yeah, and I just as don't much as see we it want, from this next gen, as much as we want parody, um, and the leagues, NBA, NFL are always the best when there's a star, when there's Mahomes, Brady, when there's Jordan, Shaq, and Kobe. Yeah, like you need Curry, Dyn- you need a dynasties, you need stars. Um, and I don't know, maybe Wemby. Hey, Wemby, he's French, so I don't think he'll ever get that. He's face so to freaking league. good, though. but I think he's a player who can really. I don't know, maybe revitalize interest in the game because he could be that dominant. Well, he's playing in the wrong market for that, but yeah, yeah. it's certainly possible. Um, he's got a personality. He's a, he's Westernized or Americanized, I should say. 
Um, he clearly gets the culture here. He's, I think, fitting in well, and he's really freaking good, so that helps. Um, he'll Otherwise lead into it's what, what Cooper Flag. Yeah, Cooper Flag. And I was just looking at some uh, draft projections since uh, at this point of the season is when Wizards fans start getting deep into the draft. First of all, it sucks. I don't think any of these guys are going to be that good. But secondly, again, like a bunch of the names in the top 10, like didn't play college ball. Either they're international, they're like G League, uh, Ignite. That's the other problem. Can we, sorry, this is a complete aside. College basketball is dead. Like, I know you're a UCLA fan. You keep up. You're going to be watching a lot of big time, big 10 games next year in conference. (laughs) But like, it is completely dead. Like, I feel like, I don't know, am I on an island here? Like, there's no intrigue left in the game. Nobody knows a single one of these players. Like everyone talks about college basketball is like, oh, we like the camaraderie. We like the, you know, the pageantry, the effort, the energy, the crowds. All that is true. But at the end of the day, even when college is at its best, it has stars in the college game. Yep. It's not forget. Put aside what they could become in the NBA. They're stars in college, and I don't see that happening anymore with the lack of talent going into the college ranks. So why like Zach is, Eady? I still don't understand. About Zach Eady? Like, why is that the case? Because it's not like all the draft pick. Sure, last year we had a bunch of guys coming from, uh, you know, we had Osar Thompson, Aman Thompson, Scoot. Like none of these guys Victor. went to college. Victor, yeah. but he, but he's international, right? But that's I guess, what I mean. Like yeah. a lot of the top talent, A is international, and B they're finding other avenues to go play somewhere else, like overtime league or like G League Ignite. But Ignite is gonna is failing, right? They, I mean, Adam yeah. Silver already talked about Ignite being kind of. Well, uh, it, yeah, they might have to scrap it. I I don't know. Like, I was just thinking, like, every single fan of basketball remembers the '03 Carmelo run, right? Or they remember like the '96 Kentucky team, or those UNLV teams, or uh, the Fab Five, or whoever. There's all yeah. these iconic teams, and a big part of that was they had stars, right? Like. Kemba Walker in tw- in 2011. Everyone remembers that run. Um, it didn't matter that Kemba was going to be a lottery pick. It wasn't like he was a top two pick or something. He was a picnic ninth. So it was like, to me, that's like a big difference. It's not about their NBA uh, projection and, and whether or not they'll be a star at the next level. They have to be a star in the game. And I just see like a very much a, a complete lack of that. No, you're right. I mean, even a guy like Tyler Hansbrough was a star in college and was a top yes. 10 NBA pick. I mean, like we don't think of him as anything, but he was still like a top 10. Yeah. Pick, yeah. And it was a star. Like, we don't have anyone like that. Like these guys are, you're right. Like, um, remember Luke Garza a couple years ago, like player sure. of the year. And Luke Garza. <laughs> yeah. He it. played for like a hundred years. Um, I think him and like drew Timmy from Gonzaga. These are like the stars that we have, like dudes that we just stare <laughs> at. You're like, you got it. We got to fix this. Um, you know, the one and dones that we've had that have been successes at the NBA level, a guy like Chet Holmgren, he was really good in college, but he wasn't like appointment yeah. viewing. Think about Michael Beasley. Think about Kevin Durant, like superstars in college before we even talked NBA. And that's what made it fun. Even like a guy like JJ Redick, who we just talked about star and it doesn't have to be a one and done. JJ Redick played there for multiple years, right? You know, Greg Paulus, like some of those hated Duke teams that just had these punch of Josh McRoberts. Like everyone like knows those names. You don't know any of the names right now. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what the, I don't know what the like root cause is like, but I think it's a serious issue. And I think it's created like 
it has had an impact on the NBA because I think it's like affected some of the, like the young talent, the way we perceive them. It, it takes longer to be, be build up your stardom in the NBA, you know? Uh, well, do you think that's the only impact it's having on the NBA or do you think, well, there's a developmental question. That's what I'm saying. Like, do you think it's affecting these guys develop? Like, I mean, is there an argument to be made if Scoot went and played a year in college, he might be more ready um, maybe yeah i think he probably he probably did not do him his basketball self-service by spending a year with the ignite if he went and played in kansas for bill self or something i'm sure he would be a better player and he would be more famous and it would have made kansas season last year more fun um i think it has like this circular effect where kind of both sides get impacted because of this but shouldn't nil have solved this like now you can actually make money in the college game why not go Live like a college kid, make your money off endorsements, party on campus, be a star, you know, at UCLA, at Duke. I thought I NAL was supposed to change all this. I mean, then you go back with even one further step, which is like, did AAU ruin college basketball? Because the oh, development yeah. of these players is, is bad to begin with. And so the guys who are top five, like, I don't even know who the best fresh, you know, remember uh, Dick Vitale always does his diaper dandies. Yep. Like, I don't even know who are the top freshmen right now that are going to are like balling no out. I'm and, I'm and so maybe, yeah. maybe we're not the target audience because we're not super into college, but like you're at least into it a little bit. I am, but even me, my interest is waning. Obviously, like I'm plugged into UCLA, but my interest is waning in general too. It just doesn't have the same. I don't know. Like even Bronny, a big name Bronny, he sucks at USC. He sucks, but like, yeah. He was like <laughs> saw, one of the I biggest hype stories, right? Going into college basketball this year. I saw a tweet that was like. A, a picture of Bronny's stats and then it was like should Bronny stay another year in school and so for those who don't know he's averaging like five points like two rebounds and he's shooting like 36 percent from the field and it was like should Bronny stay another year in school and the quote tweet was like he should stay another three years then look for a good job afterwards <laughs> to be honest I saw that <laughs> that's um, gonna be an awkward situation just to see how that plays out and what LeBron's like sort of Puppet master skills are going to allow him to. That achieve it'll there. be wild to see how. No matter how, if he goes draft in the draft, uh, that'll be fascinating to see what team is desperate enough to try to make a play for for Bron. I mean, if if you're really going to bet on LeBron doing whatever it takes to come join your team, and you're like the Pistons, why not? Oh, Maybe yeah. not yeah, top yeah. five, but At trade up sell tickets or for trade back to like number fifteen or something, and say fuck it, just take him. Get LeBron and be fun for like a year. Yeah, like the Wizards and Jordan. Yeah, though though that one was weird because they were actually pretty good his first year and then he got hurt. So neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but anyway, so okay, so the, I don't know what that was a number of like topics all rolled into one. Basically, the All Star Game and college basketball are both dead, um, which is the main takeaway. Um, oh, last thing while we're on these like macro topics. Yeah. Did you listen to uh, the Bill Simmons and uh, Derek Thompson, who I love? Yeah, uh, their podcast and, and Derek Thompson's kind of thing about how his fandom is all revolved around listening to NBA podcasts, not consuming it's any so games. So funny, yeah. And and I know we've we've kind of talked about this idea, right? But it's just fascinating that M- the NBA is a league in which, like, even this last week, it. Nothing has been going on, and I consume like <laughs> five to ten podcasts. Like, what is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing that 
fandom of the NBA can be like just packaged in a pure podcast form and you don't even have to actually consume the actual product. Is that a problem? I don't know. Yeah, and for those who did not hear, basically his point was he does not watch any basketball, but he feels like he follows along with the story just through listening to podcasts. So he starts watching basketball in the playoffs, which I know a lot of my friends only start watching in the playoffs. So they're probably in the same demographic, but he listens to so much content from Bill Simmons, from Ryan Rosillo, from whoever else that he feels like he just knows what's going on and it's like enough. And it's like paying attention to a like a serial podcast versus an actual sports league. I think it's it's definitely bad for the league when you look at the fact that the ratings have sucked, right, this year. And, you know, Adam Silver's trying to throw in all these other, like, well, they had this many impression counts and YouTube views and this and that. But, like, the actual TV ratings have have taken a hit, which is bad as, as they're about to negotiate. I do think there's a version of the NFL which makes this work. Like, think about it. You play games on Sundays and then you have 10 straight days or five straight days of Dak Prescott, is he elite, is he not content until the next Sunday, and then you do it again um, and again and again and again. So basketball is missing the part where everyone watches and then talks about it. You know, nobody watches and then they kind of talk about it constantly. If they can figure out a way to get people to watch the way they do at the NFL, then all like sort of the derivative conversations that sprout out from it aren't that big of a deal. They're all good for the game. Right now they're missing the foundation layer though, which is a pretty important one. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, you know, the thing about ratings, I saw recently that uh, out of the 27 local markets that actually track viewership or something like that, 18 of them saw an increase in viewership over last year. Local viewer, like the local TV stations, Um, which means that two thirds of the teams, usually you'd expect half and half, right? Teams that are winning are going to get an increase. Teams that are losing a decrease. Two thirds saw an improvement. So, but some of the national ratings are down. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but my point is, look, that, what that indicates to me is maybe the casual fandom is not improving. Yeah. But if local viewership is going up overall, that like local viewership to me means like actual fans, right? Right. Like more likely, you're watching your local team on a random Tuesday night. That's promising. I continue to find it very funny that fans care at all about ratings. Like NFL fans will throw ratings in your face, be like, yeah, we're 97 of the top 100 programs, like eat shit. And like basketball fans will be like, no, 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 check all this stuff out. We're going to have a huge TV deal. Like this league has never been more popular. And it's kind of funny because it feels like it, it almost validates our own self-interest in the sport. Like if nobody was watching the NBA. We're like, what are we doing with our times? Like we're yeah. wasting it. But the fact that it's more generating more more eyeballs and, you know, it's like, okay, good. I'm like on the cusp of something that matters. It's a very funny like psychology that goes on with TV ratings and sports fans. I mean, I think there's an implicit fear too that if the sport, the ratings start tanking, the sport starts dying. Like baseball is a dying sport in my mind. See, but that's actually interesting. You brought up baseball. You know why they don't care that it's dying at the national level? Because it's, it's so program. local. Yeah. And, and those ratings have not taken a hit. Like if you care about the Red Sox or you care about the Pirates or whoever, you sit there in Pittsburgh and whatever, and you're watching every game. And that still drives the sport. It's a really interesting um, kind of juxtaposition with the NBA, which is all designed to be national sport. Um, yeah. The NFL is somewhere in the middle ground. But but even with baseball, right? You have your, your Gen X and your boomers who all love actually watching in the game and like manually tallying scores. Then I feel like you have our generation who most of us, the baseball interest is really just going to the game and having it as an experiential event, right? Mm-hmm. You get a beer, you get some food, there's a game going on, but you're not super plugged in. I don't think Gen Z and Gen Alpha is even going to care 
about either the game or the experiential part of it, right? Like, oh, let's just go to a baseball game because we have some free time. Well, do so they I care about I, anything? Like, that's what <laughs> well, I'm trying that's to That's my point. So, at least with basketball, young kids still love basketball, love Steph, love stars, right? Yeah. Um, anyways. Trey Young. Trae yeah, Young. there's a lot of interesting macro topics. I think... You know, they talked a little bit, Silver talked a little bit about expansion franchises, you know, given the All-Star game was in Vegas and everyone's like pretty much earmarked Vegas and Seattle to be the two teams, LeBron to be like the principal governor of the Vegas team, all this stuff. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really curious to see kind of how expansion changes things or some type of jolt of like something different, um, whether it's the next batch of stars, whether it's new teams and new markets or or different ways to experience it. Like you saw the Apple vision pro demo with like the way you can watch league pass with the goggles. Um, I actually have a meta quest, um, which I don't really mess around with too much, but I, because I feel like it gives me migraines, but uh, I started to do it again and I was trying to figure out how to download league pass to see if they had that functionality. I haven't been able to figure it out. I did download a basketball game, where you can play and I can't shoot in uh, VR either. So that's the <laughs> quick update. <laughs> and it won't let me drive to the basket, which is like my one skill. Um, yeah. No, you know, on a side note too, did you see they dropped new rules for All-Star City hosting? I did. They basically knocked out every small market. Yeah, I, I think Adam sort of was like, okay, this Indiana shit, we can't be doing this anymore. Yeah, we had Indiana, um, Cleveland, Salt Lake City the last three years. He's like, how did this happen? Like, who botched this scheduling? Yeah, I don't even understand. Le- yeah, yeah, anyways. LeBron I know didn't even show market. up till the game. Huh? LeBron wasn't even in Indy until well, like yeah, two hours before. Yeah, why would you before. be in Indiana? I mean, everyone else there would have been nice for him to come too. He missed practice on Saturday. Was Shank gonna there? going to find him for that? Shank should have been there. Yeah, he might have been, honestly. <laughs> um... But, uh, yeah, I, I, like, D.C. hasn't had the game in 23 years. That feels like a travesty. That's wild for a city as big as D.C. As Yeah. And it qualifies. It meets whatever requirements those things were. You know, it's, it's, in, it's in your hood next year. In San Francisco. I know. Yeah. So you yeah. could go. I actually, I think I will. I'm definitely going to go dunk contest and three-point contest. Those tickets are wild, dude. I wouldn't definitely put anything out. I mean, multiple thousand really? dollars probably just to get in. The, I mean, the what? game itself, the game will be like 5K. I swear to God. It's so they give dumb. So I... many, they give so many tickets away to like sponsors and like, you know, corporate partners that I don't know how many like actual available tickets there are for Sunday. But in San Francisco, you know, Steph's going to do the three-point contest. Clay might do it too if he's on the team. Oh, like, you're right. Yeah. The whole yeah. deal. Like it's going to be wild. And they're going to bring back some version of stuff for Sabrina part two, maybe add Caitlin Clark if people are saying so who knows? Yeah. But she's wild by the way, Caitlin Clark. I think she yeah. might, she could Dude, win that. That freaking three to set the record was insane. Balls. Or, well, yes, very, uh, <laughs> not, not, not balls. It just, you know, is courageous of her. <laughs> courageous. Um, so, Anyway, all right, let's move on to this upcoming. So we basically have about 30 games left in the season. So I wanted to, to, to go back and forth here just quickly on teams you're interested in watching um, for the rest of the year, whether that's because you want to see how they put new parts together, you want to see if they're going to make a run, you want to see if they're going to 
struggle and sell sell the farm, whatever it is, like who's the number one team you're kind of intrigued for these last 30 games? It's Dallas. Mm, okay. I I am I think, you know, the short uh run of games we saw with Gafford and PJ Washington, they looked great. Luca, you know, you talk about the MVP race. All of a sudden, it's kind of anyone's game. If Embiid is not going to be healthy, Jokic is the Denver's kind of puttering. All of a sudden, Luca is an MVP candidate. You've got a seemingly motivated Kyrie so far this year. So this is a team that all of a sudden gets very interesting. And I'm just looking at the standings, right? If you look at the standings, they're in that lump of five through eight with the Suns, the Pelicans, the Kings. Um, they could easily get up to that five six range. And then you're in a first round matchup. You've got Luca versus potentially Minnesota, potentially OKC, and I think he he might have another one of those runs like he did in twenty twenty two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, right? They they re up their roster. They're healthy. Um, Luca's having the best season of his career. Can they turn this into a a little bit of a run uh, and get into that four or five spot, or maybe not four, but five spot? in the West. So I think they're, they're fascinating. Yeah. It feels like that's a good one. I mean, Dallas is the one that everyone's kind of keeping an eye on because they have so much talent. They have Luca playing at MVP level. Kyrie has been amazing when he's on the court and yet they're still seventh. And it's just like, okay, what are we going to do to kind of break through the glass there a little bit? And the other thing that's kind of interesting about it is like, if you look at it, they're yeah, like I said, 32 and 23, the 11th in offense, 19th in defense, they're kind of where, Maybe their offense, you'd expect them to be a little bit better with the kind of season Luca's having, but feels like this is about where you where you think they might be. And when you're looking ahead of in the in the standings, I don't know who I definitively say they're going to pass in the standings. Um, so I think their best option is like you said, like maybe they finish seven, maybe they finish eight, six, somewhere in that range, and then Luca just goes hero ball mode versus you know, an inexperienced team, really Oklahoma city or Minnesota. Um, and they catch them. Like, I just don't see them getting past the Clippers. I don't see them really getting past the nuggets. Those two teams are just too deep, too star laden and too, uh, you know, they just don't make mistakes. They're not going to in the playoffs that way. A fascinating series would be like Suns versus Mavs. I don't think we'll get there just given where the seedings are, but the, everyone is trying to catch the two teams that are, haven't really been in this moment yet. Not everyone yeah. can play them. And who knows? Those those teams may not lose. Like I would pick Minnesota over a lot of teams uh, that they may face, uh, including, by the way, Dallas. I think so. It's just it's one of those things where there's just not enough room to do what they probably thought they could do, which is a top four seed in the in the West, which is kind of what I thought they would do, honestly. Um, and uh, the the additions make sense. They've played really well, but. It's still at the end of the day, PJ Washington and Daniel Gafford. Like you didn't add, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. some superstar that's going to change your fortune. Yeah. Um, but I, if you if you can get a healthy Luke and Kyrie, like nobody's going to want to play them in any series uh, with the, with what those guys have done in the playoffs on their resume. Yeah, I mean, I I think if they're, I also think if they fall into the plan, they're shooing to win uh, in the plan. I just with those two guys in a do or die situation. I don't see them losing. So, yeah. Who do you got? So, offshoot, quick. I have. I'll, I'll give you my team next, but I just want to give you an offshoot. So, 
would you be would it be fair for you to say that the teams that are top 10 in the west are going to be the teams at the end of the year like meaning oh, not in that yeah. order yeah. yeah right so we yeah, agree there no houston no uh the utah. dividing line becomes yeah utah and houston and i right. i just don't see it because all those teams right in the 7 through 10 are surging upwards yep. or they're yep. relatively flat okay yep agreed so before the year we had talked about how those 10 teams plus memphis cuz memphis hadn't quite imploded yet we were like, there's 11 teams that all think that they could potentially make a title run. Three of them aren't even going to make the playoff. Three of them aren't going to make the playoffs. One of them is not even going to make the freaking play-in, which yeah. is just crazy, right? So take Memphis out. They got hurt, and now they're done. Which two do you see of that top 10 not making the playoffs? Getting eliminated in the play-in? Yeah. Huh. The way things are right now, Sacramento. And New Orleans. Really? Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, so, so here's the thing, right? If the Lakers and Warriors stay in 9-10, one of them's out. Yes. Uh, yeah. Got I just feel like one of them is going to go on a run uh, and pull up into the you know eight spot. So then I find it's really hard for me to pick from the Mavs, Lakers, Warriors. As much as I love the Kings... If they're in the plan, they're not going to win against any of these teams. They just don't have the star power. Like, you can't go one on one against Luka or LeBron or Steph and win those games. And I think you, uh, the Pelicans, they're a little bit vulnerable to me. Um, and once again, if they're toe to toe with any of these teams, the problem with all these teams in the seven through 10 range are really hard to beat in a single elimination situation. So, yeah, that's why I say Pelicans and Kings. I see the Kings and the Warriors. Like, you look at the Warriors, they're three and a half games out of eight. Yes, they played well before the break. Maybe that continues. They found something with Pajemski. Maybe they found something with Clay coming off the bench. Kuminga's been amazing for the last couple of months. But three and a half games is still a lot. And like, like you said, if all the teams above them, except for maybe Sacramento, are surging, that's like the one you have to kind of hope you can catch on. Now, here's what's really interesting. is the Warriors and Lakers still play each other three more times, including tomorrow night. And they if one team wins all three, that kind yeah. of like puts a pretty big – or even two out of three. That, like the Lakers have won one of the four so far. They won the first one, which was that crazy double overtime game where like Steph and Braun went crazy. Um, it could really create a gap and make it hard to get out of the 9-10 spot. Doesn't mean it's impossible to make the playoffs from nine ten. We've never seen it from ten. We've only seen it from nine, and I would struggle like because even if you you are the Warriors and you say okay yeah we've been in Sacramento and we've beaten them, we've been to you know Dallas and we've beaten them in a series, um, you know it's still asking a lot to go on the road twice in must win games when you've been playing must win basketball for two months. So that's why I think the Warriors out. And Sacramento, I don't like saying this because I think Fox and Sabonis have been so awesome this year, and especially Sabonis, but something feels slightly off with that team. Um, it Statistically, it's not quite the same as last year, even though the individual stats have been great. You're obviously way closer to it, but it feels like they're not quite playing as cohesively. I think their offense is not you know, world-beating anymore, so that defense is starting to catch up to him on certain situations, and Fox is not quite the same clutch performer where I once compared him to Michael Jordan about <laughs> nine months ago. So 
those would be the two. If you told me it was Lakers Warriors, though, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know, I guess. Yeah, the only reason I'd have any confidence in the Kings is they have 17 out of the next 28 games at home. Oh, yeah, 17 games at, at home and 11 on the road. So just that swing can make a difference um, and get them into the sixth spot, maybe. So yeah, that's where I hold that hope. But you're absolutely right. I just don't think this is a team that's built to to win in a elimination game. We saw that in game seven last year when the chips are on the table. A superstar like Steph, superstar like LeBron, it's hard to, to go one-on-one with them. So, yeah. So, my team is Phoenix. Uh, on that note, we did not mention them as a team that might make miss the playoffs, even though they're tied with New Orleans for the five seed right now. And on one hand, you look at it like the returns with those three have been pretty awesome. Just in terms of net rating, they've been amazing. Uh, the wins-losses are starting to even out. Uh, you know, there was a time this year where they looked, you know, they were a 500 team. Uh, on December 27th. And so the fact they were below 500 before that. So the fact that they've rebounded to be 11 games above 500 shows how well they've played. It still feels a little fragile to me. I don't know if it's because Beal gets hurt all the time or if it's that this this style of basketball feels like it could easily be defeated by a team that can D them up. And maybe no team can D them up. And that's kind of what we're seeing. But something about it doesn't feel sustainable in the way some of these other teams successes feel sustainable. Still a ton riding on Durant, ton riding on Booker, a lot of one-on-one ISO play. Their fourth quarter numbers are still pretty bad, though they've gotten a little bit better. And, you know, you want to talk about who might be jostling. Listen to this stretch they have from March 27th to the end of the year, right? At Nuggets, at Thunder, at Pelicans, home versus the Cavs, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, the Clippers, at the Clippers, at Sacramento, at Minnesota. Jeez, wait, that's, that's all they, one stretch? And that's how they finished the year. Wow. So maybe some of those games turned out to be not important because seedings are aligned or whatever, but given how close the top four of the West is, I doubt like the Clippers, Nuggets, you know, some of these teams are still going to be playing for something. Uh, the Kings are going to be playing for something all the way through the end of the year. So I don't think that there's going to be a ton of just gimme games there. I'm really interested to see how they manage that stretch because that is brutal. Yeah, and they're, my problem with them is still the Nurkic, the big depth worries me. Look, in the playoffs, they may not need it. Whenever they, Every time I see them run KD at the five and go ultra small, they're like devastating on offense. Right. Um, but I have a hard time in seeing them in many of these series making much noise with with the depth they have. I don't know. I like Royce O'Neal, I like that acquisition. I just don't think they they can rely on Durant Booker going nuclear Beal even to an extent. We saw this last year. They did that against Denver. They stole two games, but wasn't enough to win the series. And it never felt like a competitive series. Yeah, and and nothing's changed much from last year to this year. Even with uh Frank Vogel, you know, you're they're a middle of the pack defensive team. They're not bad, but uh I don't know, man. This team is, I think they need some lucky breaks, but you know, knowing the West, the way it is, those teams up top are vulnerable and maybe that's all it takes. I mean, I don't know though, dude, cause like now I'm looking at the rest of their schedule, which is also still pretty hard. Like they're the 30th, they're the easiest schedule in the league to date. They start off the all-star break at Dallas, at Houston, home versus the Lakers, back to back at home versus Houston. Fine. Thunder, Nuggets, Raptors, Celtics, Cavs, Celtics, Hornets, Bucks, 76ers. 
So you're talking about like most of those teams, the rest of the way are against playoff teams, most of those games. And so to your point, if the Nurkic injury that we've been waiting on comes, or if the defense starts to falter or they struggle with size against some of these big teams like the Bucks or the Lakers or the Celtics, like they don't really have, you know, the, one of the things, one of the reasons everyone likes Boston is they can play any style, right? Yep. And they're really good at any style. Phoenix can only win in a certain kind of way. And I feel like there's an answer to the way that they win right now. It just hasn't totally been, um, you know, exposed. It has some, some nights, but it hasn't, you know, of late. And I just feel like I'm not, I'm not there on it. It feels like year two of the Nets experience after they had made the run to the, you know, with the toe on the line and the next year, they, they're still a playoff team and they got shellacked by Boston round one. Yeah. Offensively, like the stats all seemed good, but that's kind of what I'm feeling that type of, you know, ceiling on this team. I mean, to your point, given their tough schedule, we could have a Mavericks Suns seven eight playing and a Lakers Warrior. That that will Adam Silver will just be like, man, <laughs> if we only had these as actual series, we only get one game of Luca and the Suns and then LeBron stuff. I was gonna say like he must love it for those two nights, but overall he's gonna be like punching the air. Yeah. So okay, what's your next team? Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I was going to go Bucks, but I feel like the Bucks are talked about too much. I'm going to go with Indiana. Don't give me any more Doc Rivers content, please. I'm going to give you Indiana. Look, okay. Indiana, whether they, you know, it was the intention or not, by going after Siakam, I always said this, they were putting themselves in a, not win now, but like, they want to be competitive this year. This isn't a a project, right? Siakam, if you're, he's only got three, four really great years. Um, they went and got him right now. Halliburton's minutes have been managed. Hopefully the all-star break has now given him time to rest. And I want to see what they can do in the second half. And right now they're sitting at the six seed, but they're only two games behind Philly who can continue to slide depending on Embiid uh, and two enough games out of New York. So there's an argument they could make a play for getting a top four seed, having home court in their first round. Um, and so I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued how Siakam and a healthy Halliburton, is this team really going to kind of surge up the standings, be a top four team of the East? Are they still missing big pieces? They got rid of Buddy Heald. Uh, I just want to see what the second half looks like for them. Um, and th- they're an interesting one to watch. Yeah, Indiana's... Indiana's- Gonna make the playoffs. Um, whether or not they are six or seven, I'm pretty sure I have I, I don't really have any expectations that they would not make it out of the play in at the very least. So this is gonna be the first playoff experience for Halliburton, which I think is important, and for some of their young guys like Matherin. I'm not concerned overly about whether or not this is like a quote unquote successful year beyond first round. I don't see them really advancing out of that. I think it's look, I was more bullish on the Siakam trade than I think you were um, just because I felt like the price was probably overstated for versus what it actually was. And I'm not sure that like it's that big of a deal um, that they gave up three first, which we know at least one of them is going to be late first. Halliburton is, is going to be there. He's young to me. The more interesting thing is like, what do they do this? I hate to like fast forward past the season, but like, how do they, how do they grow from this? Like, what does round one look like? Are they competitive? Like if it's a three, six versus a Milwaukee, let's say, 
and they've beaten the brakes off Milwaukee this season. So, but I would still pick Milwaukee in the series. But can they go get two games? Can they push it to a game seven? Can they start to get some of these like meaningful playoff chops? Siakam is a guy who I thought I think he's fit in pretty well. If I'm being honest, um, I think he's played pretty well for them. The issue is that they've just not had a full strength Halliburton to really test it out. Like so far, Siakam's been there for 15 games. He's 21, seven and five. He's you know, average shooting 57% of the field, 41% from three. So the numbers are all there. He's just not good enough to be the only guy there. And when you have this like somewhat broken down version of Halliburton, which we've gotten, then it feels like you're you're sort of like it's an audition without like the full instruments, you know, in the band kind of thing. Yeah, and for me, I'm interested to see what Halliburton looks like in the postseason. Um, right? Like I think the Kings were the number one offense last year, uh, in the league. And there were questions where how's Fox going to do in a playoff series? How's Sabonis going to do? Fox answered that call. Sabonis didn't as much. So I, I think you learned. We already know Pascal Siakam. He's got a reputation. His resume speaks for itself. I want to see what Halliburton looks like. Um, and is he the archetype you build around? Or how much more firepower do you actually have to go after in the, the offseason? Right? Can Halliburton be your one, the best player in your team? I know that sounds absurd, but... I always think that to be a contender, your best player, having it be a guard is very it's difficult. Tough. Unless yeah. it's like Steph, um, a, a point guard specifically. So I don't know. I think it'll be interesting just to see how, like you said, are they competitive? Do they get smoked? Is the defense really an issue in the postseason once again? And again, that's um, to be a championship contender. The Pacers, their destiny may not be to be an inner circle title contender, and that's okay. Like if their if their fortunes were similar to that of the Knicks, whose best player is also a point guard and is a lot smaller than Halliburton in Brunson, is that a successful iteration of the franchise? I'd say yes. Yeah, I think if I they're mean, in the four or five conversation, yeah, absolutely. I, I have no doubt they will be in that conversation next year. Maybe they won't get it because like the teams at the top might not go anywhere, but. It doesn't take long before cracks in the armor start. We're already seeing it in Milwaukee. Who knows what that's going to turn into? You, know, you have Giannis, and he's in his prime, and he's playing at you know all time levels. But the thing I worry about Milwaukee, by the way, is that they still lose a lot of the games that he goes like some crazy stat line. Like yeah. he'll be like seventeen of twenty one, thirty eight points, seventeen rebounds, and they're they're losing. And it's like very confusing because usually when he has those kind of like superhuman games, he wills them to a victory somehow. And I feel like they drop a lot of them now. Um, and I don't have a clear indication as to why. Deceive, yeah. You know, everyone's like, well, Doc's three and seven, but the defense has been top 10 since he's been there, and he's just going to fix the offense. It's going to take time. Maybe, but he also can't help the fact that Dames had a really uneven season, right? He can't help the fact that Middleton's can't stay in the lineup, that Brooke Lopez is one year older, that they have no bench to speak of. Um, there's a lot of really big problems there that, whether whatever you think about Doc, he can't just solve on his own. Yeah. So... Okay, that's, I'm not going to pick Milwaukee for the same reason you didn't. I'm going to pick... I want to pick the Orlando Magic. Um, Paolo made the All-Star team deservedly, I guess. Like, that's fine, whatever. He had, He's had a really nice season. He's young and he's talented. He's kind of like potential. He's one of the auditions for Face of the League that we were talking about earlier. Paolo could be a guy maybe that takes some of that eventually. Um, even though I've never heard him speak, uh, <laughs> they 
I, I was a little curious that they didn't do anything at the deadline. Like, I just thought that they didn't need to go make a splash trade for, like, a Zach Levine-type player. But they're doing this thing where they're like, Powell is 21, Franz is 22, Suggs is 22. I get that, right? These guys are super, super young. But they're also trending towards a playoff spot, or at the very least, a play-in battle. So clearly, they're cool to compete. They're not trying to tank and rest these guys. Like, they're happy to have them get playoff experience. Why would you not equip them to be successful in the best way possible? They don't have to like cripple their future assets to go get a you know a decent guard. They could have done it in a variety of ways. I'm surprised they didn't add some shooting. Didn't give him a little bit of pop offensively. Even someone like Buddy Heald, frankly, if they just went and got him, he costs like two or three seconds, right? Go get someone like him, and you pair him with all the defense that you have, all the length that you have doesn't mean that healed is going to like allow them to win a playoff series. It's just going to allow the offense to look more functional. And I think those, those become better reps for Paolo and Franz who too often have to go like one-on-one creation mode with like a really mucky lineup because nobody can shoot and nobody respects any of the, any of the players on the court. So um, including them by the way, cause they also can't really shoot. So that's the, that's the interesting thing about Orlando. I mean, it's a big step up season. It's the first time you probably are excited if you're a Magic fan in like 15 years. But I, I wish they had like given themselves more of a chance this season just to see kind of what it looks like. Yeah, no, I'm actually in the same camp as you. And and I think because even if you're in the the camp of let them play in a postseason, figure out what they really have before they make any moves. They're not even guaranteed that they're they're gonna play the if things ended today, they'd play the Heat in a single game elimination. You wouldn't even get to see them in a playoff series. So, I I'm actually I agree with you. I think they could have made some moves on the fringes. They've got a good core, but they've got assets on the. But I, I think their problem is they like all their guys way too much. Like Jonathan they Isaac's their guys. Jonathan Isaac's defensive, um, what he's been able to do defensively this season has been huge and so they don't want to part with him um faults i feel like is is worth parting for but he's been there now and they've got affinity for him as well cole anthony has had a pretty solid season like all these guys they i don't think they are excited to part with anyone or there's any great piece they could be dangling so i understand why they kept pat but to your point you're not going to learn much in in the postseason this year um, and, and the offense is a problem, right? Like they are bottom six offensive team. They're right above the wizards in offensive rating, which tells you everything. Um, well, and they just did they a little bit more sure like Denny Avdi on their team. They could have used a little bit of shooting and shooting. You can get at the deadline, like whether it's buddy healed, whether they could have gotten another player. Um, they have assets, I believe too. I don't think they're strapped. So no, they have yeah. everything. They literally have everything. And, like, I get it. You don't want to trade Isaac. That's fine. You don't want to trade Cole Anthony. You don't want to trade Suggs or or, or Foltz or something. I, I understand all that. But I don't know. Like, I would rather see – I would rather figure out how do we make Franz and Paolo become the best versions of themselves and you get a primetime opportunity to do it in a potentially in a playoff series. Um. Because right now, like, yeah, let's say they hit lose to the Heat, then they'd probably play the Bulls maybe in like the, or the Hawks. And so maybe they win that and they're, they're yeah. the eighth seed or the seventh seed or whatever. But, you know, they're only half a game out of six. So it's it's very possible they finish top six. Like they've cooled off a bit since that hard start, but they're all right there and jumbled. Um, 
I just think you go into a playoff series now and they're going to get absolutely molly walloped. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, any other teams, any other thoughts? I mean, we only talked about a few. There's so many, so many storylines down the stretch. Let me ask you this. If you had to name your inner circle of title contenders, what does that list look like? Uh, I would say the Celtics for sure. Uh-huh. I would say the Nuggets, um, Clippers, Timberwolves. I'm gonna put Timberwolves there. I'll I'll uh, acknowledge they're they're good. And yeah. I'm gonna keep the Bucks and Thunder. Shit, that's a lot of teams. Um, Thunder are not there. They're not. Maybe ready. Thunder are there. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the Bucks. I know everyone's writing them off, and it's been 50 games of this. There's no reason to think it's, it's gonna change. And we've seen Giannis fall in the playoffs to when the team has been really good. So it's not like he's, you know, um, bulletproof. But I don't know, man. It's just hard to believe that that Milwaukee team, as bad as Dame has, bad as look has looked, they've they're an older roster. Defensively, they're a mess. I still think that with Giannis, they'd have a chance. So I'll keep them in my circle. So for me, it's Boston. Uh, the Bucks. I don't treat the Cavs that seriously. Um, in the East, any and particular then in the reason? West, Minnesota, L.A., Denver. I think I don't take Milwaukee. I have four: Celtics, Clippers, Nuggets, uh, Timberwolves. And here's the crazy thing: like, I'm not making like this like guarantee, but I'll just tell you from what I've watched in the East, I would be. Pretty damn surprised. All health, everyone's healthy. I'd be pretty damn surprised if anybody beats Boston in the East. Oh yeah, they're head and shoulders like, above. I can't even put someone as a contender because I know Boston's had some. You know they've been really good, pretty much start to finish. They've had some losses that like Clippers at home, Nuggets at home, Timberwolves on the road. Like, but whatever. Those are all the best teams. Everyone loses to the best teams. I'm not that worried about that. I know they lost to by 40 to the Bucks, but it was like back-to-back schedule loss kind of thing. But regardless, I just feel like every other team in the East is so deeply flawed when compared to the Celtics that, and I'm, I hope, by the way, I believe this, and I also hope this is a jinx, that I would be really shocked if they lose in the East. Like Cleveland to me is a, t- a team that I'm really, really impressed with, you know, but We've seen their story before, and we've seen Donovan Mitchell's story before specifically. And he's playing, you know, he's probably second team All NBA right now for me. Um, get excited! We get to start making All NBA teams soon. Um, <laughs> we just made All Star. <laughs> exactly, that's the fun of it. Um, he's probably second team All NBA right now. I'd say. Um, I'd have to think about it just to make sure that statement's not crazy, but he's probably in that running. They've won like seventeen of nineteen or something, and I just. I can't get there with them. Like certainly can't get there with the Bucks. The Sixers are the one team if Embiid comes back healthy, but he gets hurt every playoffs. And this year he preempted that by getting hurt during the regular season <laughs> with a fairly serious knee injury. So am I really going to count on that? Um, and then the Knicks, like the Knicks are scrappy. They're awesome. Like I love watching them. I love kind of the story and I love the roster that they put together. But do I see that lineup going toe to toe with Boston across seven games? They'll put up a fight. I just don't see them winning that. 
to who else, right? Like Miami, one more miracle run, maybe. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the more interesting question is if if Boston loses, who would it be? And like, I know. So that that's why I can't dismiss the Bucks, right? Because if Boston loses, yeah, sure, Cleveland is the next team up, the Knicks. But are any of those teams like? Are you? Are they a shoe in to beat Milwaukee? Yes, the way things look like right no, now. No, no, for sure they're not a shoe in. So, so that, that's the thing, right? Like, I know no one can beat Boston, but we see this every year. There's always a team that might go down early, fluky. They might play the Heat and somehow get upset in round one. I'm reserving the right to hold the Sixers in case Embiid comes back and the rest was actually helpful for him so he won't get hurt in the playoffs. That would be big. Um, Like, what if he was able to just sit until, like, early April and, you know, they treaded water, maybe they finished five, maybe they finished six. Like, who cares, right? They just want to get in, not deal with the play-in. And they have a couple game cushion on the play in right now. And, you know, they still have Maxi Harris. They're not that good with, without Embiid, as it turns out. But if they're able to kind of like just tread water, he comes back. Maybe he gets a couple games in the regular season to get his like legs under him. They could be interesting, depending on how we go. Like he would oh, have yeah. had time to get hurt again for the playoffs. Yeah. There's no, because no matter what, they'd avoid Boston in the first round. Yeah. And, there's a path for sure, but I have a feeling that he'll come back, test it out. They would have been so much lower in the standings that they just shut him down. I, I really think that once yeah. the MVP is out of sight, they might just be like, fuck it this year. It's not, it's not happening. <sighs> so much to go. Uh, the 65 game mark will also be, you mentioned MVP A 65 game mark will be fun to watch, to monitor who's right on the cusp. Tyus Halliburton was playing on one leg for like 10 games just to still be eligible for it. Um, the irony being like his stats took such stats a hit. I wonder, if tanked, he, yeah. I wonder if he's played his way out of being an all-NBA player. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But um, all fun stuff, man. Tomorrow's lineup is is wild. We got Suns, Mavs. We got Lakers, Warriors, TBD on LeBron. Wow, we've like went this whole episode without really talking Lakers, um, which is kind of crazy. And then... Thunder Clippers and Sixers Knicks. So a really fun slate. Don't um, forget King Spurs. King Spurs. Wemby <laughs> makes his long-awaited arrival uh, to, to wine country. Um, yeah, we're off and running. Uh, here we go. This is what we've been waiting for. So anything else? No, I'm uh, finally glad for it to be back. It's been so long. Yeah, yep. And the last night before the all-star game was like wasted basketball. So it really feels like one extra night than, than normal. So speak for yourself. We beat the the nuggets. That might've been the night. Before. No, that was the night before. Exactly. Oh, yeah. The last night was like the terrible G league Grizzlies beat the Bucks. Oh yeah. <laughs> but all right, that's a wrap. Please rate, review and subscribe to thick and thin hoops. Please, please follow us on all major podcast platforms. We will talk to you next week.